first reading this morning comes to us from Psalm 22, verses 19 through 28. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. For I will tell you of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and return to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. And the, the epistle lesson comes to us from Galatians 3, 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be reckoned as righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a story. There's a story that goes something like this. A fourth grade teacher gave an assignment to class to say a little bit about their religion and their faith. The first boy said, my name is Benjamin. I'm Jewish, and this is the Star of David. The next was girl. My name is Mary, and I'm a Roman Catholic. This is a rosary. The next was Peter. My name is Peter, and I'm Presbyterian. This is a chocolate cake. <laughs> the there are certain things that say we belong to a certain group. 
<clears throat> my hope someday, someday, my hope is that the kids from this church might say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I belong to First Presbyterian Church in Lake City, and this is my Bible. You see, the church is a place for belonging, a place for belonging. Humans need, we long to belong. We all want to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. We desire to fit in somewhere, to contribute to something. All of that is fundamental to our joy. Psalm, Psalm 68 declares that God sets us in families, in families. God does that through the church family. Many people's church experience isn't the best experience, however. Uh, for some, for some, church is an obligation, a responsibility, obeying parents. It's a place of ritual. It's a place to volunteer for certain things folks want done, perhaps to get a check mark off of a, uh, a service project. It's a place to attend. It was a, it's a place to observe funerals and, and weddings of people that folks knew or had known. But if we are strong in our support of each other, church becomes a place to belong to. It truly becomes family. It truly becomes family. One of the fastest subsets in American Christianity is a group known as the nuns. That's spelled N-O-N-E-S, as in none of the above. The idea coming from a checklist or a questionnaire when, when you're asked, what is your religious affiliation? Are you this or that or some other thing? And then at the bottom, there's a little box that says none, none of the above. That's the fastest growing subset in American Christianity. It describes people who are unattached or unaffiliated with organized religion. These are people who would describe themselves as being spiritual, but not affiliated with any organized religious group. They would say, I have my own personal way to worship. What they mean by that is my own private, private relationship with God. I don't need to belong to any church. These are believers who are not belongers. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They, they do not believe in what the church does. We might refer to them as unchurched Christians, which is really an oxymoron from a New Testament perspective. You see, the New Testament knows nothing of an unchurched Christian because part and parcel of the purpose of God on earth is the church. It is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And Paul, the apostle, said the church is the pillar and the ground of all the truth. The New Testament church was intensely relational. They were people who truly lived life together. They connected with each other on, on a number of, of levels. I suppose that a Christian without a church would be like a sailor without a ship. 
or a soldier without an army, or a football player without a team. Uh, picture some dude in the backyard throwing a ball up in the air, up and down, up and down, and catching it. It's like, woohoo, this is fun. Lasts for about two seconds. Now, Paul in Galatians has been speaking, writing to his audience about the grand, the grand subject of justification by faith, or how to be right with God by just believing in Him. Justification by faith versus the law. The law meaning the law of Moses. That's given in the Old Testament. So, so Paul is writing this letter. He is addressing saved Jews and Gentiles, and the mix of them have been brought together. All of them. All shapes, all sizes, all colors saying that they belong to a family now. They belong to the family of God and to one another. So why do we belong? Why do we belong? Number one, because we believe. We believe. We have faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is the portal through which the relationship with God becomes a reality. It's how we, how I, enter the family. My believing is what leads to my belonging. In verse 24, Paul tells us, and I'm going to use, use some other words, therefore the law was our pedagogas, pedagogas, our teacher, our disciplinarian, is what the New Revised Standard says to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the pedagogus. We are now children of God through Jesus Christ. So faith, believing, is what gives us entrance into this family and to this belonging. I don't belong because I perform or do works. I don't belong because I earn. I don't belong because I achieve something. I belong because I believe in someone. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, so you don't have to clean up your act before you come to God. You can't clean up your act before you come to God. You just come to God as you are, and God cleans you up. That's why it's called the gospel. That's the good news. If you had to clean yourself up first, it would be called the bad news. But it's called the good news because you don't have to do that. However, this, this faith is not just a generic faith, not just a generic faith. It's not just belief in a higher power. It's a more specific thing than that. The word say, in the Greek word pisteos, it does not mean to acknowledge in your head, I believe. That's how a lot of people use it. Yeah, yeah I believe in God. I think that there's something up there. So that's my faith in God. That's not what that word means. That's not what pisteos means. The word textually means to commit to to rely on, to trust, to adhere to, and to place your whole weight upon. So believing is not just acknowledging that God exists. 
Even the devil believes that and trembles. They know there's a God. They believe their faith is not a saving faith. So think of it this way. It's one thing to acknowledge the greatness of a parachute. It's quite another thing to jump out of an airplane with it on. So the dude has a parachute strapped on. I believe in the parachute. I believe in the parachute. Really? Now you really have to believe and pull the ripcord as you jump out of that plane. I remember when I was a young, young Christian in college, and my friends loved to say this, they would say, you use Jesus as a crutch. And I would say, well, you've got that wrong. He's not my crutch. He's my stretcher. It's not like I'm leaning on him. He's carrying me through. That's the idea of biblical faith. You put your whole weight upon him. I also love the story. This is a true story, by the way. A guy named Charles Blondin, the great Blondin, who stretched a wire across Niagara Falls and would walk from the American side to the Canadian side with a group of people on the banks cheering him on. So he walked from one side, he walked back. Then he put a blindfold on and he walked over and he walked back. Then he got on a bicycle and bicycled over and bicycled back. And then he wore a blindfold on the bicycle and rode that back. And everyone cheered. Oh! Then he got a wheelbarrow and a blindfold and walked back and forth. And everybody's cheering. And he said, how many of you believe I could do the same thing with a human inside this wheelbarrow? And they said, you can do it. You can do it. And he said, which one of you would like to volunteer? <laughs> That's faith. That's true biblical faith. We must get in the wheelbarrow. So I belong because I believe. The next reason I belong is because I'm baptized. I'm baptized. You see, verse 27 says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. But this verse does not say what a whole lot of, of you might think it means. It's not referring to the water baptism, like this morning. No, it's referring to a spirit baptism. What transpires after the water touches our bodies. After we're marked and are placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether free or slave, and all have been made to drink into the one Spirit. Now the water of baptism illustrates illustrate what happens when the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the family, a visible sign of invisible grace. This is a distinction, a distinction that no other belief system in the world, in the world has. We are said to be in Jesus. That's a distinction that no other belief system in the world has. We are said to be in Christ or in Jesus or in Christ Jesus 87 times in the New Testament. It uses that terminology. You don't just believe in Jesus. You're in Jesus. 
You, you never hear a Muslim say, I'm in Muhammad. And you'll never hear somebody say, I'm in Buddha or I'm in Confucius. What's interesting is the way, is the one we believe in, we actually share in his life because we are in him. We are in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul also writes with another metaphor, putting on Christ, putting on Christ. As many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does that mean to be put on Christ? If you're in him, how can you be put on him? Well, this is the metaphor, just as a reference to change of garment. You see, it's, it's a word that means the formal taking off of one set of clothes and putting on another set of clothes. So here's why Paul did that. When a Roman child, a son, usually came of age, his dad gave him a new toga. He took off the old toga and gave him a new toga so the, new, the child would take off his older toga and his dad gave him a toga called a virilius, a manly toga. Now you're a man. You've now come to age. It's now identified that the son is now a responsible adult a citizen in the Roman Empire. Paul compares that to putting on Christ. So when we believe in Jesus, that's the portal, we also put on Jesus and the Holy Spirit places us, baptizes us, immerses us into Christ or into the body of Christ. And when we get water baptized, we are signifying this. You see, the Bible never teaches what is called baptismal regeneration. Have you ever heard that term, baptismal regeneration? It means you're not saved unless you get baptized. There are a lot of people that believe that unless you get baptized, you're not going to go to heaven, that you're not saved. You are saved by the act of the baptism, baptismal regeneration. Some in the Church of Christ believe this. The Roman Catholics believe this. Anglicans hold true to this. United Pentecostals believe this. Even the Eastern Orthodox churches believe this. All believe in baptismal regeneration. And here's why it's wrong. Baptism is a work. It's something that you do. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So baptism proclaims salvation. It proclaims salvation, it does not produce salvation. It's very, very different. Yes, it announces that we are saved, but it does not make you saved. Jesus on the cross said to the unbaptized thief on the cross, assuredly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, hey buddy, you know, uh, if, if you can manage to get off this cross and get baptized, I'll make sure you get into heaven. But you can't unless you do that. Paul said, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, lest the cross of Christ should be made no effect. He never would have written those words had he believed that, he, that you all had to be baptized to be saved. If Paul believed that, he would have carried a baptismal font 
from town to town with him because that would have been part and parcel of God's work, saving work. So if we are saved by some other action, why should we get baptized? Easy answer. Jesus said so. Jesus said so. Isn't that enough reason? Because he commanded it. And we are also get baptized for identification. Like I said, we are marked. When we get baptized or marked, we, we're saying that Jesus Christ came for me. Jesus died for me. He paid for my sins. He took my place. I'm identifying with that in baptism, in death, burial, and resurrection. I belong to Jesus Christ. Finally, you and I belong because we are blended. We are blended. Yes, the church is a blended family. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, young or old, gay or straight, slim or fat, hairy or bald. We are all one in Christ. All the barriers that typically divide us are all the distinctions that normally separate us are obliterated in the church, in Christ. It's not that those distinctions don't exist. No, those distinctions exist. Of course they do, but people still have their identities. But in the church, in the church, there are no favored statuses. That's not, there's not one person closer to God than somebody else. There's no boundaries in Jesus' church. All are equal in the eyes of God. God has no favorites. God calls us to enjoy this blending and calls on us to build bridges, not to break them down. In fact, some theologians believe that this phraseology that Paul uses came out of an early Christian hymn. Wouldn't it be nice to have some music today that reflects that sediment? So I would ask a question that's asked in the Heidelberg Confession, and I know you all can answer this. What is your only comfort in life and death? The answer is, our only comfort is that we belong to Jesus Christ who purchased us. We are inseparable. Friends, you and I belong because Jesus was born, lived, taught, suffered, and died on the cross. He then was buried for three days and rose again so we might live eternally. But that was not the end. He gave us the Advocate, the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, so that in our baptism, we might be engrafted into his body as a family, a family together as one, and even believe as one. Let it be so. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you, and keep you safe.
May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.